Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everyone. I pray you guys are all doing well and welcome to another episode on the Amana podcast. So today we have a, another guest on the episode. I have Sister Mariam here with me um, and I brought her on the show because she, first of all, we're going almost 10 years, alhamdulillah, 10 years that I've known her. Um, and then also um, she is one of the people that you know, when you have a friend that always reminds you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, like whenever you're with them, those are friendships you hold dear to to your heart and, you know, you hold dear and you cherish. And so um, I wanted to bring Sister Mariam on because I know like growing up together and seeing each other grow, you know, it's not always it's not always like that. You know, we everybody usually has a turning point where they realize, you know, like, you know, this is this is how I should be. I really need to pick myself up. I need to be, you know, a better Muslim. But how do I go about that? And sometimes that transition is hard. And it can look different for a lot of people. And so, Mariam, especially for you, you actually lived in a Muslim country. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And you moved here. You lived in Egypt. Mm-hmm. So um, can you kind of start us off from the very beginning? Like, how was it being raised in Egypt and then moving here? And how that kind of shaped who you are today? Alhamdulillah. Um, thank you, first of all, for having me. I'm really, really excited. Um, my name is Maryam. I am 21 years old right now. And um, me and Sister Behja have been friends for a while now, 10 years, like you said. Um, wallahi, it all started um, when we were in Egypt. Egypt was um, obviously a Muslim country. And we were raised on, like, a very Islamic, you know, mindset. Um, Alhamdulillah, things are very, very different. When you come, you realize how much, um, you know, the dynamics are very different. Um, So me and my family, we came in 2013. And it was was a culture shock. You see a lot of different things that you usually don't see. Um, Alhamdulillah, we started going to school. And... You know, one of the things that we had to keep with us and that we lost for a while was um, our Quran classes. As soon as we came, it was something that we lost. We didn't have enough time. And in Egypt, Quran was a big factor. My mom, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bless her Allah, Allah. Mm. Um, one of the things that she focused with us was our memorizations of the Quran. Um, Alhamdulillah, me and my brother finished at the age of 13. And we came here. I came here when I was 12. He's younger than me. Um, but yeah, uh, finding, you know, Quran classes again and doing um, wudu and hib, that's one of the things that um, we picked up on real quick because it was one of the first things that we lost. But yes, definitely, it's, it's a big change, um, a big culture shock. You see things that um, you don't usually see in Egypt, like at all. So, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. What was, um, what would you think was like the first thing you noticed when you came to America or to Ohio that you were like, yeah, I need to, I want to go back to Egypt. Like, I can't, I can't do it here. Uh, we came at a, we came at a summertime, so I enjoyed that. But then as soon as winter hit, it was, it was really, it was shocking. Obviously, we have um, winters in Egypt, but obviously, there's not a lot of snow. And um, we lived in Cleveland, and Cleveland, um, 
it's obviously known for like a really brutal what do you call it weathers when mm-hmm. it comes to it's really cold yeah. very cold and a lot of snow um that was like one of the shocking things oh yeah and also everybody has a dog here <laughs> it was so funny getting used to everybody you know all our neighbors own dogs and yeah that that was shocking that's something that i remember being like okay what is this yeah usually when you see a dog in egypt it's a straight you know straight it's animal it's a straight dog not like a pet yeah yeah but yeah that was that was shocking alhamdulillah yeah because like i don't know i guess i envision like and like when you were in egypt too i mean i feel like islam is more easier to practice in a sense because the, you hear the adhan 24-7 like you have the masajids nearby people are like outwardly muslim do you feel like that in that being in that environment helped you practice more or do you still feel like you were were you almost more practicing here i could say uh wallahi when when i was there in egypt even though you know like we were young i really didn't feel like dean was something that i needed to focus on Hmm. it was there like i could have picked it up anytime the masajid was right next to me you can hear the adhan 24 7 like subhanallah i'd be hearing the adhan and i sometimes don't be praying on time i'm like okay Hmm. you know it's just that i didn't have that mindset that i needed to be aware of you know needing the deen Mm -hmm. at that point but when we came here i remember actually it was really hard on us um when ramadan rolled around and we couldn't even find um dates to break our fast in like, cleveland in cleveland mm. we couldn't find somewhere to buy dates and um i remember we prayed eat a lot at home because we couldn't even find a masjid to go to mm. the nearest masjid to us was like an hour away wow and like we were brand new like obviously we didn't have any car my mom didn't know how to drive so it was really that's like that's the first time i saw like okay you're not home anymore Mm. you know we need to actually know how to survive in this community and that's actually one of the reasons why we moved to columbus because that's when my mom started making phone calls she was like yeah we're, we're not gonna survive out here mm-hmm. we need to find somewhere like you know that we can actually feel like we belong you know mm. um but yeah we did most of the things in our home it was a year a year that we were in cleveland so for that whole year it was just us honestly we were surrounded by mostly just white people. Um, few Somali people can, you know, contacted us because they heard that a family moved in or whatever. But it wasn't a lot. Um, but yeah, that's the moment I was like, okay. And you know, I'm the oldest in my family. You recognize those things with your mom, like when you're um, together with her, like you know that okay, this is not going well. We need to find a solution for this. Mm. So that's when we started talking about moving here out here to Columbus. And when you guys moved to Columbus, like, you guys, the first thing you did was you guys lived right next to the masjid. <laughs> you guys weren't playing. Yeah. Um, that was actually just a coincidence. And we, when we were in Cleveland, we actually heard about the masjid being built. And um, that's where my mom wanted to live. So she was like, oh, what side Columbus? You know, we also had family here. And we're like, yeah, the west side is, is where we're going to do. And my mom already had one of her cousins moving here. Um, we moved in with her for a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, so you guys heard about Masjid al Bukhar being built, like yeah. when you guys were in Kluvit. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, people because they will always drive from what do you call it, um, Columbus to come to Cleveland, and they'll always talk about, like, you know, oh, we're having a new Masjid, yeah, like it's being built, yeah, it's almost done. So it was really exciting coming here and just seeing some other people again, <laughs> like, it was, it was really nice. 
Yeah, because the area surrounding the masjid, like, when it opened in 2015, I think just where it's built already, there's a lot of Muslims living there. But I think once they opened in 2015, a lot of more communities started moving closer to the masjid. Like, majority of the apartments near the masjid and the houses are, like, literally Muslims. Just mm. majority Somali, but, like, Muslims still, you know? Yeah. It was really nice. Um, I remember we attended um, the first opening, like, open housing that the masjid had. And that's where I saw a lot of people up to till this day I have a good relationship with, um, where I met most of the mothers, um, the imam. That's the first time I saw him, too. Um, but yeah, you never thought, you never think, like, you know, people that you see at that age and that long ago will have so much impact on you today, mm. you know? So it's really, really nice. Alhamdulillah. One of the biggest blessings is actually, you know, being a neighbor of the masajid. Mm. So, Alhamdulillah. And then, like, when you moved to the masjid and you lived close by you ended up actually like teaching there and becoming like a teacher so like how did you ever envision like moving to a new place and then having such a playing such a big role in the masjid because you were basically always in the masjid after that like every time i see you you were at the masjid it became like your second home right right oh well i did around that time i had a lot of what do you call it a lot of figuring out that i had to do within myself and the masjid came in as a place that that rescued me, where I could, you know, feel like I was safe. Um, around that time, unfortunately, I did not have the best of friends. I did not have the best of influence. Um, so it was just being me, you know, saving myself and running to the masjid. It was really nice. Um, usually it would be empty and I would just sit there, clear my mind, um, pick up a kitab for a change, like, there will they be days going by that I did not pick up a kitab and read, you know? Even though, alhamdulillah, I have, like, this knowledge about the Qur'an, like, I can read and I can understand. So it was just, I was neglecting it so much to the point where, like, okay, now I'm, I'm going to look for it because I need it. Mm. So it started out a little slowly by slowly, like, you know, meeting people, um, cleaning the masajid, Oh. Cleaning the masajid was one of my favorite things to do. Just coming in and picking up a broom and just start cleaning anywhere. Mm -hmm. So therapeutic. Mm -hmm. I loved it. Um, but yeah, that's where it slowly, wallahi, like starts building up yeah. into this great, great thing that I appreciate so much. I think I relate to you with that because we actually met at the masjid. Yeah. And I always tell people, like, when they say, what should I do? Like, where should I start? How... I want to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What do you advise me to do? The first thing I always say is, go to the masjid. Or have you been to the masjid? And it's not just going there when there's events or when there's a lecture or when there's something going on. But it's genuinely just being in the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time if you have nothing else to do. Sitting there and just, just remembering Allah. Because like in the masjid, when you're there, there's things that you can do outside the masjid, masjid that you can't do inside. Like, there's there's already rules and regulations. There's already, your mindset is, like, more focused on pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the minute you step inside the doors of the masjid mm -hmm. because you can't do what you're doing at home. You can't do what you're doing outside the masjid. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like you just are reminded of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala everywhere you look when you're in the masjid. 
either by the, through the prayer, either through looking at somebody reading the Quran in the corner of the masjid, or just having a conversation with you know mm. a you know an auntie at the masjid, and they're like always dropping gems, Allahumma barik. Um, the masjid is such such a safe haven, mm. and I think sometimes when one of the most when I've had one of, one of the most difficult things happen in my life, or if I have had times where like I felt really empty going to the masjid solved it all like going to the masjid was always the place where i could like rewind and i felt like even though we can't go back in time i felt like i'm allowed to redeem myself like i go there and i feel when i leave i feel like okay i got this like i can do whatever i i want to do like mm -hmm. i'm i feel really energized mm -hmm. and i think you can relate very very much like you <coughs> After, like, a day in the masjid, like, I come home, and I'm already in a better mood, mm. you know? I can now deal with people, I can deal with my siblings, because, like, you know, you leave, and you're just kind of like, okay, I need, a, I need to go, yeah. I need to go, and then you come back feeling so refreshed, and um, it does something to your heart, you know? And with that is, what do you call it, how I wanted my own relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because, alhamdulillah, um, I was raised by my mom, and she, she's a person of deen. She always enforced the deen in our house, always did her best, and um, she herself is a person of the Qur'an, like her family are. And um, everything about our lives was always about the deen. So, alhamdulillah, I was raised in an environment with the de where the deen was very, very important. Um, so it's not like, you know, I did not know. And I regret that a lot because there was a lot that I knew that I was rejected at the same time. I didn't abide by it and I didn't do it as I was supposed to do it, you know? And when you realize, um, okay, um, this is not okay. And that, you know, you need to pick up, you need to stop lacking, you need to, um, cause like I said, everything, you know, it's accountable for mm. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold you accountable and you're, it's not like you're a child anymore. You know, so just realizing that, um, Alhamdulillah, with me, it, it just came in a perfect time with me figuring out, figuring out my relation with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, and then moving closer to the Masjid. It's like you know a combination where like it's Allah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala is like this is where I need you, and this is what I need you to be doing. Mm. So just you know have those two things clash, and make the best thing ever. Um, Alhamdulillah, we started going to the Dusa the Masjid before I teach there. I was a student. Um, and it was really nice because that's where you start making friendships that matter. Friendships that I still hold dear to my heart today. Um, so slowly, like, you know, it was just being a student, a teacher helper, and then the teacher, you know? Um, I remember I was 16 when I first got my own classroom and I started teaching. Um, and it's just so, so beautiful having so much impact on children's life. And alhamdulillah, um, I I'm just generally someone who likes kids. So it's really nice um, being able to share the little knowledge that I know with somebody else. And for that fact, being Dean, um, it, it brings me a lot of joy. So alhamdulillah. I think so too. Like, um, talk about your Duxi days. Like, talk about teaching. What was like your highlights um, about teaching? Oh, wow. It had ups and downs. Mm -hmm. It it was really 
like now that I think about it, back when I think about it, um, it's so funny. Like it's something that I wish that you know, it didn't have to end. You know, um, I no longer teach, but um, it was one of the best things I could do in my life because obviously with be with it being in my own masjid and my own community, um, genuinely it brought me joy. And you just see the barakah in your life when you're someone that shares the Quran, you know? Um, just like the Prophet ﷺ, he said, the best of you are the ones who teach, uh, you know, the Quran, mm -hmm. the, those who deliver the message of the Quran. Mm -hmm. um, and I love that hadith a lot because I feel like I can resonate with it so much. Um, but yeah, Duxi days, I loved my kids. They were literally... You know, they'll brighten up my weekend, mm -hmm. you know, coming from school the whole week and work. And then the weekend is like where you're supposed to be resting, but then you're up at nine. Yeah. And then you go to Duxi. It's just the immediate, you know, energy booster. Yeah. Like you see these kids, they're so hopeful. They love you. Um, they can't wait to see you. And wallahi, I miss that the most. Like now when I see my students out and about in life, obviously wondering what they're doing in life. And like if, you know, if I had an impact on them. But also seeing them, you know, like when you see them doing well, you know, mm -hmm. when you see them still having a hold to to their dean, and that's, you know, could be because of you. Like I want it to be because of me, because mm -hmm. you know. Um, but yeah, my Duxi days were amazing. They were a lot of fun. Um, they're all around. They just remind you of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. I think it's a big blessing too because um, somebody actually asked me once. They were just kind of like you know um what do you what do you feel so blessed to like have in your life like mm -hmm. what do you feel like is a blessing and i you know i told that person i'm like that's such a hard question to answer there's a lot of things that i have in my life that i'm blessed for you know and and then they were like no think about it more and so i just named something you know i think i said like you know for shelter or, or was it for like you know a running car or a family something along those lines and then she said, but why don't you say, you know, like, you know, teaching, teaching the Quran? And yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, my gosh, like, I didn't, I didn't think about that, you know? And, like, I actually taught with you for a little bit. Like, yeah. I think we, it's, it's a big amana, first of all, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, is putting this responsibility in your hands to see what you're going to do with it. But at the same time, it's a gift because... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose that for you. So it's like, just like how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guides us, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leads us to places. Kind of like we were saying at the beginning when he led you to live there by the masjid. Mm, yeah. He leads us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala leads us. So um, I just, I, I thought about it like that. I was like, I didn't ever consider that. Like, obviously, yes, now I do. Mm -hmm. But it was just mind-blowing, you know, yeah. to see it in that way. And uh, I think it's just really, it's really nice too because you can, teaching I think is rewarding because you are, you are seeing people, especially young children, you are combining not only just teaching them new things, but you're also combining, like you have to have really good person, like a good character. You have to have a really good personality because these kids are going to copy everything you do. It can be from the way you dress to the way you talk to the way you walk, like, well, like kids are so observant. They really are. Um, uh, <clears throat> it's when you 
when you're obviously someone that um, is preaching and that's like, you know, carrying information and giving it to somebody else, obviously one of the things that you take away is that you also learn a lot, you know? Um, when I started teaching Duxi, what I know then of Islam and what I know now are two different things. Like, because of the kids and because of the environment I was in, I know more. Like, I would pick up the Islamic studies books and I'm just like, okay, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to learn together. So it's really nice because not only are you teaching, but you're also benefiting yourself. Mm. And with the way that um, you said, like, children observe, children definitely, they observe everything. Till now, like, I still work with kids. I'm a preschool teacher. Um, everything that you do, the kids will do. Like, I see my children, like, you know, talking the way I talk right now. So everything that you do is very observant. Like, and that's why you really can't be a hypocrite in a setting where the kids mm. are, you know? You can't say one thing and do the other because everything, everything will be copied. Mm. Um, so you need to be very, very careful of what you say, how you say it, and just all around being there. Even if you, like, you know, when you come to work and you're not feeling the best put on a face that you are the best mm. because your you know your students need to see that you're there for them and that they can rely on you yeah exactly. you know it's crazy um, how many children you know this going for the teenagers mm. how much they trust you and how much they come to you for help yeah you know yeah um i had a lot of my students where like they'd be so confused and they're like um oh, like we don't know who to talk to and i want to talk to you about it Obviously, this being, you know, us being closer in age, um, them thinking that I'm more knowledgeable. I'm like, oh, okay, well, we can work with that. Yeah. But, like, they talk to you, and they'll tell you your problems. And, well, it's really scary because they can go out and find the wrong information very easy. Mm. So just them coming to you for help says a lot about you. And it's like, wow, alhamdulillah, mm. they, they're, you know, seeking help from the right people. Yeah. So that's... It was really nice. Um, when no, the first time that happened, um, that's when I was like, okay, I need to start, you know, working more on myself so I can be a safe place for all these kids. Mm. So, yeah, yeah, it's really nice. And yeah, and you're almost like you're almost like another parent, you know, right. or like an older sibling mm-hmm. to the children. Um, and one thing that, like, just thinking about, you know, my own Duxi days back and um, kind of shifting gears, but my own Duxi days when I was a student. I just, I really wish there was that connection with the teachers and, and the students. Like, connection deeper than just um, teaching you the Quran. Mm-hmm. Um, our minds are way older, way older, like right. older generation minds <laughs> back in the day. But Allah Mubarak, they taught so well. Um, but then now, you know, having a female teacher and being able to talk to her, things outside of even just duksi or Quran, you know? Mm-hmm. Um finding a big sister role model, it's really beautiful. And um, another thing that's kind of related, but one thing that I feel like our Duxies didn't do that I wish more Duxies implemented was tafsir. Tafsir, yeah. Yeah, like mm-hmm. tafsir of the Quran. Like, mm-hmm. what are we reading? Wow. What is the meaning behind the surahs that we're reading? Like, what is this chapter about? What is the surah about? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like that's how I got closer to the Quran. Once I started, you know, once I understood what I was reading, and then when I figured that tafsir is so important, I just had to implement it in my classes, like, little by little. 
Wallahi, I have this conversation with my friends a lot. And subhanAllah, growing up, I had never seen it as a problem. Because I thought that, you know, um, everybody should know tafsir, you know? But coming here, um, usually, even back in Egypt, honestly, um, it's just more about just reading, you know? You read, and I don't think I've ever taken a tafsir class. Mm. Like, even though our schools had an Islamic class, um, we did Quran, our, you know, with Hoya at home. Um, obviously, you know, I would ask Hoya what everything meant, and she would tell me. But I feel like I'm so oblivious to that because I've always grown up knowing somewhat of what the Quran says. And alhamdulillah, um, I speak Arabic, I speak both Fusha Arabic and the Egyptian dialect. Um, so opening up the kitab, I can have a good idea of what the Quran mm -hmm. says. And just, you know, coming here and seeing that, okay, not a lot of people do that. Mm -hmm. So just, you know, well, just we have the young. They just, you know, they we just memorize. We memorize it. And um, that was shocking to me because there are a lot of people who have great tajweed, know the Quran from, you know, cover to cover, but have no idea what it's saying. Mm. You know? Yeah. And um, that's really, alhamdulillah, that's good. But then, you're reading all of this, but you don't know what it says. Yeah, and I think it's like it. It's like there's no, there's no way to connect it back to you. Right. You can't connect with it if you don't know what it's what it's meaning. Exactly. You know, the meaning behind it. Yeah. So and that that kind of like led me to like also think like why didn't why didn't we learn Arabic at a young age? You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. just like how in high school we had to choose a language. Like what do you want to learn? Right. But I really wish you know. And now alhamdulillah that you know I. I'm older, I'm realizing the importance of learning Arabic mm -hmm. so that inshallah the goal is to be able to understand the Quran mm -hmm. and then hopefully also speak the language. But um, yeah, tafsir, like I remember, you know, the first time I like really, really was mind blown was when um, one of the teachers, they were going through the story of Prophet Yusuf, Surat Yusuf. Mm -hmm. As Yusuf is actually really, really detailed. Like the entire so story is just everything about Yusuf. Is mentioned. Yeah, everything up in his life is mentioned in that surah. Uh, that surah. Mm -hmm. um, the like the first few verses, Allah says it's like the best stories, right? Right. Right. One of the best stories, and um, you probably mentioned that verse, Ahsan al Qasas, right? Yeah. And um, I didn't. I kind of used to pass that ayah, like. Okay, it's the best story. It is. I like. I love Surah Yusuf, but then going into the story, I realize it really is because of also the meaning behind it, mm. the lessons Allah teaches you, and like looking at even the story, like how the father of Yusuf Yaqub, mm. the reactions he had towards his sons, and the patience he showed, and like if I didn't know this story, like the meaning of the story, and I was just reading the Arabic, I would have missed so much. Yeah, so yeah. much about the importance of patience to virtue. Um, but going through Surah Yusuf was like my first real tafsir, like, um, like face on with tafsir. Mm -hmm. And I was just so happy because I felt like, wow, like Yusuf and Yaqub are prophets that feel the same things we felt or mm -hmm. we feel. They felt the same things that we go through. Mm -hmm. And seeing how Yusuf dealt with his brothers and seeing how Yaqub dealt with his sons, it was just like a whole new window opened up for me. In the Quran. SubhanAllah. Yeah. 
I love Sweater Tia Yeah. It's actually the only sweater that I have memorized by heart. What about it? <laughs> because of the story. Yeah. Like, other sweaters, I find it hard to memorize, and I only memorize the parts that have stories in them. Mm. Because it's like, okay, that's interesting. I want to know what that says. Yeah. But Sweater Tia is very, very beautiful. Um, when it comes to, what do you call it? Knowing the steer. Um, right now that I'm grown, one of the things that I appreciate is like looking at the Quran as a, one of my friends says it really beautifully, like a love letter from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to yourself. Like, you know, the Lord is talking to you. Mm. It's for you. This is all for you. And having, it's just so intimate, like not having anything in between you and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you read the Quran, reading it as something that was just delivered for you. Mm. for you that that's only you mm. so um, when you go read the Quran in that mindset you're seeing everything in the Quran like all the stories all the promises of Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the warnings especially the warnings because they feel like okay yeah don't do this uh-huh. because you don't want this to happen uh-huh. so and you know people especially kids not being taught this I feel like they're missing a big chunk mm-hmm. of the Islamic education. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't understand the Quran and you don't know what it says, then it's like one of two sources. You take either take the Hadith or the Quran, and you're missing 50% already mm-hmm. because you, you don't know what it says. Mm-hmm. So it's very important. Like, and I hope a lot of this is implemented. Yeah, inshallah. Those are like the two things I see, like tarbiya, like you know, mm-hmm. like um, upbringing and mannerisms, and like, and tafsir. I wish are two things that like, duksis did more well implementing. And alhamdulillah, I think there's a change now. Like I see like a new a new wave of like there's a shift. Alhamdulillah, at least the ones locally here. Yeah. But also too, I want to ask you: Do you have a favorite da'a? This is something I want to ask everybody that I bring on the show. Uh, do you have a favorite da'a that you ask? Allah for. Um, I love the dua, and I make it often. لا تكلي لا نفسي طرفة عين. Oh Allah, don't leave me with myself or just a blink of an eye. Like don't, don't leave me. You know, I need you here twenty four seven. Cause unfortunately, like you know, I've seen where I could be without Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. And it's not, it's not, it's not a good place. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be there. Without him, yeah. Without him. You feel so confused and you don't know, you don't know what you're doing. You're just kind of going about life. And that's not good because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mostly he talks about the disbelievers, he mentions them as more like just animals, just living. Mm. You, you, they just live for this life. And that that's not, that's not what something I want. I want the promise of Jannah. I want the promise of like, afterlife of all these beautiful things you know you hear all these stories and you learn all these great things and you you want that end so by making a dua and saying ya allah don't leave me even for a blink of an eye because if you leave me for that much i'm gone Mm. like i'm not gonna be here and it's really strong because um i'm weak I'm very weak. We all are weak, you know? And without the kindness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we're, we're not, we're not going to be okay. Mm. So that's, and I find that, that I make that dua like, um, often because 
you don't want to end up in a place that you're not you shouldn't be anyway you know so alhamdulillah yeah that's one of the dua like recently actually that i made a lot that's a very beautiful dua subhanallah very very beautiful and deep dua and also i want to ask you since you've been through you know moving to a new place um in you know getting finding a, your group of friends finding a community and then putting yourself out there so that you could find more friendships and find your purpose basically um what would you give advice like what advice would you give to sisters who are feeling stuck right now they want to start over with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala they want to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and we're all still on this journey mm -hmm. but what advice would you give to them um where should they start and what would you tell them oh well I first of all I am in no place <laughs> to um, give such big advice but wallahi the little I can say the little that you can take is um, finding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is your own personal journey you know everybody's grown up as Muslim you know we have Muslim parents you're, go you're raised as a Muslim person but finding your own connection and you know finding Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala again because he never left you. It's, the way, it's you who left. So finding your way back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's a great journey. And it's a deep, deep, raw journey that you need to experience for yourself. When is that? That's on you. Like, you need to figure out when is that going to be. But when the time comes, I advise you to always go to the right people. Mm -hmm. You know? Because there is always someone. There is someone that can help you. Mm. not everybody is oblivious and not everybody is going to ignore the help that you need Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen Wallahi I'm ever so grateful um, my mom obviously she was the first person that I could go to my problems with mm. you know and she made it very important that I needed to make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala number one in my life mm. and after that because she's a mom um, I had to find my own group you know mm -hmm. So, and that's, you know, it's amazing how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala plans everything for you. Um, coming to the masjid, you find people who are also on their journey. And then together you guys can help each other. Mm. You know, alhamdulillah, um, you were the first person I met in the masjid. And wallahi meeting you and just creating our own group of friendship from that really helped me. Because we were all like, you know. People who were kind of confused. Mm. We know what we we're doing, but like not really. Yeah. We know what we wanted. A connection with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's what we were looking for. And that's what we went to go get. Mm. And I love that because we all meant business. <laughs> like yeah. we were not joking around. Um, so you need to create boundaries, first of all. No. Oh, that's a good one. Boundaries. Yeah. You need to create boundaries. It was so hard for me to create boundaries. Because I'm that person like where he's like, I'm nice, I'm very kind. I found it very hard to say no, to, you know, not let people walk all over me type of thing. And um, as a woman, like, like, you know, who did they, you know, as years go by, you learn that that's not a good trait and you need to build boundaries. Mm -hmm. Build boundaries, um, know the people that matter, people that don't matter, and the ones that always will matter. You know, mm. you need to know who, who those people are. Um, yeah, obviously create boundaries. Don't let anyone 
anyone talk you out of it because shaitan will pull you away so hard have you noticed like when you um want to take the deen more seriously than you have it like you know you wake up today and you want to be better than yesterday mm. and you want to be even better tomorrow yeah but then the shaitan is pulling you away yep he doesn't want you to get there mm. so problems will happen oh and oh my god like you will lose a lot of friends Mm. that's the moment like and I said it you know you see who really matters and who's really out there for you and for me it was really really hard seeing that most people that I trusted turned out to be people that didn't matter mm. you know and you just have to start all over again mm-hmm. with the whole um, friendship thing um, yeah create boundaries and make a lot a lot of dua Mm. Make a lot of dua because when you make it all about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you need the dua, you need your own conversation with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. You just need to sit there and just raise your hand and be like, Oh Allah, I'm lost, yeah, like I'm all by myself right here, mm. you know, and make make him a big what do you call it part of it. Those are really beautiful words, Mariam. Mm-hmm. Just for sharing. And I also wanted to say that I really love what you said about um, boundaries because. Literally, I think that is so difficult, especially, I know as sisters, it's really hard because, like, there's so many things that we feel like we have to have it right, you know? There's so many things that we want to focus on when it comes to our deen, you know? There's our journey with ourselves, our families, there's our hijab journey, there's our journey with, you know with just our ibadah, our worship, our Qur'an, etc., etc. Like, the list is never-ending. So yeah. if we don't create boundaries in the first place, we're never going to be able to achieve the things we want to achieve Islamically for our for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that was a really good point you made. And also, I wanted to also emphasize the importance of seeking knowledge because without knowledge, you won't have anything to fall back on. You won't have anything to ground you. Mm-hmm. Knowledge is a foundation. It's your. It's the only thing that is going to pivot you in the right direction. If you don't know about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and if you don't know about the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and if you don't know um, anything about the Qur'an, it's really hard to turn to anything. Right. You know, there's nothing that you're occupying yourself with. So that's another thing I would add, another piece of advice for me, I would say to all the sisters listening, and to everybody listening, find a consistent schedule where you are learning something new related to the deen every single day mm-hmm. sign up for a quran class sign up for a Sira course sign up for an arabic course um sign up for a hadith course and also be careful who you're taking your information from definitely yeah make sure the people that are giving you these lessons are either knowledgeable people that you know are certified in it like your local imam your local masjid um online there's a lot of and there's a lot of students of knowledge that are sharing things online, alhamdulillah, for free, mm-hmm. like videos and stuff. Um, but yeah, don't play with seeking knowledge. And don't let your guard down. And don't feel like you know enough. Wallahi, like that is, that we're never going to be 100% like, quote unquote, like we know enough. Right. The, right. You never know enough. And wallahi, um, when I first, um, you know, came to the idea of like okay i want to learn more about the religion and it came with the what do you call it um me wanting to find out more about our prophet <laughs> there was a point where like i like you know i saw myself down and i was like i don't really know much about my prophet you know so 
as Bahaja said, like start anywhere. And it could be as small as just listening to a 30-minute lecture on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So small. You can learn so much. And um, I obviously know who you're taking your deen from. And what do you call it? Don't play around with the religion, obviously. Um, what do you call it? Yeah, like seeking knowledge, obviously. Well, you know, you always have something to fall back on. And what do you call it? Um, people will always tell you things about the deen and you need to know what's right and wrong. You know? SubhanAllah, like there are a lot of people who use the religion in a way of like, you know, not wanting good for you. Mm. And when you know, especially knowing your rights in Islam, you know? Yeah. As a Muslim girl. Um, it's very important. Yeah, mm. You feel like more strong. Like, yeah. you feel like you have more of like, you know, more like armor mm-hmm. you have like a more of an armor like with you when you know your deen when you know your islam you know like anybody could come up to you like you're saying yeah. and convince you that islam is wrong but you have to have that conviction and that conviction only comes with knowing and with knowledge and always asking allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ya allah guide me towards the right sources of right. knowledge right. to remain closer to you and there's a hadith I'm, bar- I'm gonna just paraphrase, but the Prophet Muhammad said that when Allah wants good for someone, He allows them to comprehend the religion more, right? Mm-hmm. He allows them to want to understand the religion more. When Allah wants good for somebody, He opens that door of knowledge for them. Mm-hmm. And so, your sign to go and seek knowledge, it, and then when you want to have that, you know, desire, it's a good sign. You're on the right path, inshallah ta'ala. And I wanted to also end with a quote. Of Imam Shafi'i, um, may Allah have, yeah, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless him. Uh, and I thought this was just really beautiful because it really kind of summarizes everything in our goals. But he said, um, if you think of the object of your striving, which is Allah, and the bliss that you're after, which is Jannah, and the punishment you're running away from, which is hellfire, then your work and your sufferings will look insignificant in your eye. Like everything we're struggling to do. Everything we're striving to do, whether that's going to a class, catching a halaqa, studying, remember, like memorizing our Quran, all of that is going to look so tiny, you know? Even though it's going to feel like we're taking so much of our energy out to do it, it's just like our goal is just so high, which is Jannah. Right. We just have to keep it pushing. Keep going. Mm-hmm. It's never enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have any c- closing remarks you want to add? Um... With the thought of Jannah, it's like everything that you work hard for. Like, have you ever just sat somewhere and just be like, everything I'm doing is just for this place. Mm. You know, that's where I want to end up. And wallahi, it's nice that we're talking about this because just yesterday me and my brother were talking about Jannah. And he was basically just like, um, you know, he was like, Mariam, isn't it crazy that everything that we work for right now and everything in our lives is for a place that will literally satisfy everything mm. and it's a promise from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so we know it's real mm-hmm. you know he wants to do all these crazy things in this life I'm like you know yeah well it's not even that it's not even worth it finding it in this dunya mm-hmm. so the thought of Jannah it's very very beautiful and wallahi that's that's the goal for everybody may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us among the people of Jannah mm-hmm. um 
but yeah jannah is where we need where we need to be yeah so we really can be lacking may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all of us to see each other there Ameen. inshallah ta'ala amin ya rab jazakallah khairan maryam for coming on and sharing your wisdom with us inshallah you'll be on um future episodes sharing more of the knowledge with us yeah um and then we'll close it off here inshallah jazakallah khairan for all of you guys listening and until next time assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh